everybody. Let's all uh, stand as we get ready to start our service. Uh, Brother Bob, would you open us with prayer, please? Amen. Let's all take your hymnals. Turn to hymn number 
you see. Well, that's a great song. Appreciate uh, appreciate you singing it for us. You would take your Bibles and turn to the book of Job. Book of Job. It's going to be our fourth installment 
on our study in Job, and uh, we're going to pick up in verse, or ch- verse. We're going to pick up in chapter fifteen. I'll be quite honest with you. Um, I feel kind of like we're going through Job, kind of a classroom style um, instruction. Uh, we're not touching every verse. Uh, we're looking at the big picture to get through it. I would hope that this would spark you to want to do some individual study uh, in the book of Job. And, uh, you know, each of us in our lives, we're going to face difficult times. And the book of Job just kind of helps remind us that difficult times are coming and uh, that God has an answer and a reason and uh, we can learn to trust him with it. So tonight we're going to look at Job chapter 15 through chapter 19. Job 15 through 19. I'm going to begin... Um, by reading here in verse number 1 of Job chapter 15, Then answered Elpaz the Timnite and said, Should a wise man utter vain knowledge and fill his belly with the east wind? Should he reason with unprofitable talk and with speeches wherewith he can do no good? Yea, thou castest off fear and restrainest prayer before God. For thy mouth uttereth thine iniquity, and thou cho- uh, choosest the tongue of the crafty. Thine own mouth condemneth thee, and not I, yea, thine own lips testify against thee. Art thou the first man that was born, or wast thou made before the hills? Hast thou heard the secret of God, and dost thou restrain wisdom to thyself? What knowest thou that we know not? What understandest thou which is not in us? With us are both the gray-headed and the very aged men, much elder than thy father. Are the consolations of God small with thee? Is there any secret thing with thee? Why doth thine heart carry thee away? And what do thy eyes wink at? That thou turnest thy spirit against God, and lettest search such words go out of thy mouth. What is man that he should be clean? And, which, and he which is born of woman that he should be righteous. Behold, he putteth no trust in his saints, yea, the heavens are not clean in his sights. How much more abominable and filthy is man, which drinketh iniquity like water. Lord, we love you tonight, and we thank you for our time together here in the book of Job. I pray to God that uh, you would open our hearts and our minds and our thinking, and Lord, that you might speak to each and every one of us through your word tonight that we might uh, be uh, drawn into even deeper study and uh, to draw closer to you, to know more about uh, the things that Job endured and what he went through and how you are the answer uh, to all the problems that we face in life. Lord, meet with us here tonight. Might you be honored and glorified. We love you, and we ask these things in your blessed and most holy name. Amen. And so we see that Job accuses his friends and God of unfairness. He feels forsaken, yet he expresses hope that his Redeemer lives. And so Eliphaz here, we see his denunciations uh, in chapter 15. Eliphaz begins a second round of rebukes uh, from Job's friends. And so they've all kind of gone through, uh, made their accusations against Job. Uh, They're trying to get Job to recognize he's a dirty, rotten sinner. That's why all these things are happening. And uh, Job still maintains his innocence, uh, although he would like to 
talk to God face to face. And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation in your life and you faced a problem and you thought, man, God, why? Why, why did this happen like this? Uh, there's been times in my life I thought, man, I'd just like to sit down with God and just know his mind about a situation. But the truth of the matter is, ours is not to know his mind. Ours is just to trust him no matter where he takes us. And so uh, Elpaz begins this second round of rebukes uh, from Job's friends uh, in verses 1 through 16. Uh, they've entitled this, Nothing Like a Windbag. Uh, Elipaz tells Job that he's acting like a wise man, but really he's foolish. And uh, where he gets off thinking that he is so intelligent that he can discern uh, that about Job. Uh, but we did see in verse number 10 where he said, With us uh, with us are both the gray-headed and the very aged men, much elder than thy father. And uh, are the constellations of God small with thee? You know, you think of the stars and the beautiful constellations that are in heaven. And he said, are you so much wiser than the gray-haired men, the aged men? Uh, are you wiser than God who put the constellations in heaven above? And uh, then in verses 17 through 35, we see that sinful people suffer. Sinful people suffer. Elipaz again assumes that Job is suffering because of sin in his life. So he tells him the wicked suffer many troubles and there's no doubt that the wicked do uh you know bring upon themselves troubles and concerns and and problems into their life uh, but he's accusing job of being that man so the second thing it brings us to chapter 16 wasn't that fast how we went through chapter 15 just like that just just like that that's amazing take you longer to read it than me give you those two points but anyhow, we come to chapter 16, chapter 16 and 17, we find Job's defense, Job's defense. Job responds to Elipaz with uh, increased frustration. Uh, what miserable comforters, in verses 1 through 4, Job accuses his friends of an endless flow of foolishness and critical words. Then Job answered, verse 1, and said, I have heard many such things. Miserable comforters are ye all. Shall vain words have an end? Are what embolden thee that thou answerest? I also could speak as ye do. If your soul were in my soul's stead, I could heap up words against you and shake my head at you. And so he's trying to shock these guys to realize, hey, wait a minute. You want me to treat you like you're treating me? Um, you know, wouldn't it be good for you to come in some consolation, some encouragement? But these friends came uh, with bitter accusations. So verse number five, But I would strengthen you with my mouth, and the moving of my lips should assuage your grief. I think it's so important that we recognize when people are going through difficult times, they need to be encouraged by us, Okay. We believers need to encourage one another. We don't need to sit there and pull, uh, pour rocks on their heads or hot coals on their heads. They need someone to come along and say, hey, you know, I've been there. I know the problems, the trial that you're going through. Or maybe you say, I don't know, but I'm going to pray for you. I can at least pray for you and try to encourage you in the things that you're doing. And so uh, that's what Job tells his friends. Boy, it'd be far better if you were here to encourage me than to bring all this grief that you're bringing. The third thing we see is that uh, he's betrayed by God. Job feels like he's betrayed by God 
and people. He says that both God and others have turned against him. We use uh, chapter 16, 6 through 18, as he uh, talks about this uh, portion. He talks about how he feels as if God has left him. He feels like man has turned against him, and uh, he has no place to go. He's there in a broken situation. And then he mentions in verses 19 through 22 that there's an advocate in heaven. I like that. Verse 19, also now, behold, my witness is in heaven, and my record is on high. My friends scorn me, scorn me, but mine eye poureth out tears unto God. Oh, that one might plead for a man with God as a man pleadeth for his neighbor. When a few years are come, then I shall go the way whence I shall not return. So Job trusts that someone is presenting his case before God. He's pouring his heart out before God, and he's wishing for an advocate, one to intercede on his behalf. We come to chapter 17, verses 1 through 9, our fifth, uh, uh, it's actually letter E in my notes, uh, a defense of the innocent. Job calls upon God to defend him because Job has become a mockery to those around him. Now, you know, if we read the Psalms over and over again, David talks about his reliance upon God, how he seeks God to be his help, and I love the word bulwark. He wants God to be his defense. He wants God to stand and plead his case. And it's the same thing we find in the book of Job, that Job is turning and saying, I just want God to defend me. I want God. God knows the truth. I want God to defend me at this time and through these problems. That's where his hope is. It's in the Lord. And the sixth thing we see, our, our number, our letter F, is my hopes have disappeared. Uh, verses 10 through 16 of chapter 17, Job despairs and resigns himself to death as he looks upon his seemingly hopeless situation. Hopeless situation. Verse number 11 there says in chapter 17, My days are past, my purposes are broken off, even the thoughts of my heart. They change the night into day, and the light is short because of darkness. If I wait, the grave is mine house. I have made my bed in the darkness. I have said to corruption, thou art my father, to the worm, thou art my mother, and to my sister. And where is now my hope? As for my hope, who shall see it? They shall go down to the bars of the pit, and our rest together is in the dust. And so he comes to the point, I, I have no hope in myself. I have no one else I trust in. He just throws himself, if you would, on the mercy of God. And then Bildad's there, and Bildad starts, uh, starts his denunciations in chapter 18. Uh, this is his second round of rebukes uh, to Job. And uh, he starts off when the first four verses then answered Bildad the Shuite and said, How long will it be ere ye make an end of words? Mark, and afterwards we will speak. Wherefore are we counted as beasts and reputed vile in your sight? He teareth himself in his anger. Shall the earth be forsaken for thee? And shall the rock be removed out of its place? And so Bildad said, Hey, wait a minute. Now, come on, let's just... Let's just be reasonable here, Job. Uh, you're making accusation against us, and we're actually here to help you to point out these 
areas of your life that need to have help so that you can get right with God so that these issues, these problems, will leave. Uh, it's kind of sad. And then we come to B, terrors surround the wicked, chapter 18, 5 through 21. Assuming that Job is suffering because of his sin, Bildad describes the terrible woes of the wicked. Here in verses 5 through 21, he talks about the terrible woes of the wicked and all that will come against them, the issues that they will face. And then we come to uh, number 4, which is Job's defense, which is chapter 19. And so chapter 18 is all Bildad. Bildad and bringing his denunciations against Job, his accusations, and so forth. And then we come to chapter 19. And here in chapter 19, we hear Job's defense against Bildad. Job continues to feel persecuted. Uh, matter of fact, uh, my uh, Bible here had in the notes, Job replies, my Redeemer lives. Boy, that's some good knowledge for us all to be reminded of. Our Redeemer lives. Doesn't matter what the issues of this life might bring your way, our Redeemer lives. This is not our final resting place, our final hope. Yesterday I went to a funeral down in Pittsburgh, Kansas. A pastor friend of mine, his wife died with cancer, and I knew her mom and dad. Matter of fact, uh, her dad uh, gave me the first opportunity to preach out when I was on staff at South Norwood, I'd go down, fill this pulpit in Quinimo. I did my first revival for Brother Wise down in Quinimo. I loved her folks. They were just super sweet individuals. And uh, so they have both passed and gone on. And now uh, Jim Fryer's wife, Lucinda Wise Fryer, passed on. And so I wanted to go and be a, a part of that service. And uh, so down there, uh, it was good to just be reminded. I, I love services like this that it was, a, it was like a positive church service. You know, you've been to the, the bummer funeral where there's like no hope, uncertainty surrounding the death of someone. Well, we hope he's in heaven, you know. We look back here and we look back here. We, we hope that he got saved. This was full-blown. She's in heaven. She's walking with God. She's got a healthy body. She's not fighting cancer anymore. And how can we not just rejoice at God's goodness? And I think of Job, and here he is with all these problems and all that's going on, and he'd like to talk to God about it. He'd like to lay out his issues. His friends are just kind of dumping on him, and in the midst of it, he just reminded, he reminds himself, my Redeemer lives. He lives. No matter what comes my way, he lives. And because he lives, I will live also. Isn't that a great promise? Because Jesus rose again, we too will live with him. So he's insulted ten times. In chapter 19, 1 through 5, Job complains about his uh, three friends, how that they have reproached him ten times. And um, B here is that God must hate me. Uh, verses 6 through 12, because of his suffering, Job concludes that God must have something against him. Of course, he's getting all that negative feedback from his Friends who have come, they're pointing to him, saying, this has to be something that you have done. This has something uh, against you. And so he goes, I, I, I don't know. Does God hate me? I, you know, he's questioning it all. And uh, C is he's forsaken by family and friends. 
uh, 13 through 22, chapter 19, Job says that all his family and his friends have turned against him. Even his own wife said, why don't you just curse God and die, Job? But what is your righteousness so good? Just, just curse God and die. And yet he knew the one he believed in. D is, chisel my words in stone. <laughs> Verses 23 and 24. Oh, that my words were now written. Oh, that they were printed in a book. Oh, that they were graven with an iron pen and led in the rock forever. Better than that, God's put them in his Bible, amen? Job's life is an example for our, all believers to read and to study and to know that hard times are going to come. Difficult things will happen in our lives. Life is not going to be just this big fancy rose garden. Everything's going to you know, be fabulous. There's going to be difficulties. So what do we do? We become like Job. We trust in God. We, we turn to him in the midst of all of our issues. And then he kind of closes this chapter with that thought of my Redeemer lives. Though Job is distressed and that no one believes him now, he trusts that one day he will be vindicated and see God for himself. Verse 25, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. But ye should say, Why persecutest we him, seeing the root of the matter is found in me? Be ye afraid of the sword, for wrath bringeth the punishments of the sword that ye may know there is a judgment. Hard times going to come. Now you handle those hard times, I think hinges on your relationship to God, on your walk with God. If you're a peripheral Christian, in other words, you know, I'm Sunday morning, maybe, uh, you know, like once or twice a month type uh, Christian, I... I read my Bible. Actually, I listen to the preacher read my Bible to me. And, and uh, you know, just kind of a real peripheral uh, Christian. Then when hard times come, you don't understand that it's not up to you. It's up to him. That it's not up to us to worry and fret. And how is this going to happen? How are these things going to go? It's up to us just to trust God. That he knows what is best for us. As I was there at that funeral, I couldn't help but think, you know, poor brother Jim... I'm sure he would like to have his wife for years more, but God knows best. And as uh, he gave the plan of salvation and asked for hands in the service, at least two were saved yesterday. Man, I'd, I'd die now if two would get saved. That, that's a pretty good trade, I think. Two for one, I'd take that. And so we just trust God. God, what is your plan for my life? What would bring you the most glory? God, your will be done. Give me the grace to walk in what your will is. Give me the grace to handle what I must face, that I might bring honor and glory unto you. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for your goodness and your love to us. We pray to God that you might be honored and glorified in our lives and our living, the days and the weeks ahead. None of us know what a day holds, but you do. Just help us to know how to count our days, to walk with you, and to serve you. 
in the midst of all we do. We love you. We ask these things in your blessed and most holy name. Amen.